0: Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 60 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Seasoned Athlete is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We are here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. If you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you really love us, you can support our ability to continue bringing inspirational stories to you by way of either a one-time donation or by becoming a monthly sponsor. Just go to seasonedathlete.me and click on one of the Support Seasoned Athlete buttons to help support this DIY independent podcast. I found out about today's guest while I was looking at the Instagram page of another person I featured on this podcast. Julie Weiss, someone I've interviewed twice for this show, is currently running 52 races over the course of this year to raise funds and awareness in the fight against pancreatic cancer. On one of her Instagram posts from a race she was at, she mentioned someone who is in the process of running and get this, 70 marathons in 70 days. And I was like, well, obviously I have to talk to this person. So I sent him a message and he said he'd be happy to be on the show. I really loved this interview with today's guest because by all accounts, he's a regular person who loves running and setting challenging goals for himself. He's a self-proclaimed chaser of dreams. So let's find out how a school teacher ends up running 70 marathons in 70 days over his summer break and why he would do such a thing. Let's get to know today's guest, Kevin Hopp. Hi,
1: Kevin. Hello. How's it going, Robin?
0: I'm great. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners?
1: Yes, I am.
0: Fantastic. You are Kevin Hopp. You're a husband, father of two, a teacher, and a self-described chaser of dreams. For example, this summer, you've challenged yourself to run 70 marathons in 70 days, and you're currently in the midst of doing just that. We're about to get into why you would do such a thing, how you manage all these daily miles and what happens next after you complete this challenge. Is there anything vital personally, professionally or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in?
1: Um, I think I've just set up my life to be able to do the things that I enjoy to do. So I've eliminated things that waste my time and, you know, make choices to be able to get outside for a few hours each day.
0: Uh, if only we all could do that, right? Yeah. If only we all could eliminate the, the fluff and the excess and the things that waste our time and just focus on the things that bring joy to our lives. So um, I love that, that you've kind of figured that out with your own life. And that's how you're doing something like this. So from here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what is your age at this moment in time?
1: I'm 48 years old.
0: Fantastic. So let's start from the beginning. When did you get into running? And have you been a runner your whole life?
1: So there's a big break in my running life. I ran um, high school cross country um, to escape from doing water polo because I was actually a a age group swimmer from about five to all the way through high school till 18. And so to not do water polo as being a swimmer cross country season was at the same time. And so I chose to run during um, high school. I was an okay runner in high school. I wasn't um, a top runner at school, but, um, I'm in California, Southern California and LA area actually was where I was at. Cross country running is a huge sport. So from there, after graduating high school, took a break from all athletics, um, pretty much my entire college career life. Um, my second child actually in 2012 fell asleep on the couch. Uh, it was Christmas break Um, She was probably five years old, maybe weighed 20 pounds. And I picked her up to take her upstairs to her bed to put her to sleep. And by the time I got to her bedroom, I was out of breath. And I said to myself, there's definitely something wrong with me. I need to get healthy again. And I woke up the next morning and I thought I was going to run three miles because that's what you do in cross country at high school you just run three miles. Oh, I thought that's what I was doing. And of course I thought I would do an eight minute mile pace because you know, that's what you did in high school. Um, 42 years old and you know, 15 years later, you're not doing what you did in high school. So I ran basically like three houses down the street, got three homes down and came back, you know, out of breath, and the next morning, got up and did four houses or five houses, and that's how I got started. So in 2012 is how I got started and to where I am now.
0: Isn't that funny that you take this big break and you think that, you know, just mentally you're like, well, this is what running has always looked like for me. So why wouldn't I be able to run three miles without thinking about it and, and maintain an eight-minute mile, even if I haven't done this in decades? Yeah. You know, it's amazing how the mind works around that and doesn't doesn't realize that that's not how running works. It's not how fitness works that, you know, if you use it, you lose it. So you got to start from scratch. But I like how you use houses like you weren't thinking in terms of miles. It's like, I'm just going to run to this house and then I'll run to the next house. And hopefully the house beyond that doesn't have a ton of land, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> so um so, how did you get into get from there to racing because now you're you know i mean obviously we're we're about to talk about seventy marathons in seventy days, but we're not there yet. We're into you know different kinds of races that led you up to marathons and even ultra marathons, which you do so how did you go from point A, which was running three houses down the block to marathons and ultra marathons?
1: It really was a daily um endeavor i was I was actually embarrassed of what I had done to myself of being out of shape. So when I first started, it was at three, four o'clock in the morning in the pitch black running, you know, trying to get to my first mile. Um, And honest, took me about six months to get in shape where I could run a complete mile. I never really worried about how far I was running. I knew from, I guess, being a teacher that if you do small daily actions, um, that it's going to pay off a big get big results. So I, I did feel like it didn't matter if I wasn't going a mile, I'll get there. And then once I get that mile done, I'll get a second mile done. So it took about six months to get a mile done. And then probably within the next six months, I was able to do three or four. Um, of course my first race was 18 months approximately after I first started running and it was a half marathon. Of course I was extremely sore doing the half marathon but I survived so what do you do a month later you sign up for your first marathon and so that's so it was a real quick it was really really quick once I did my first race to second race which was a marathon and then it was just pure joy of, of running and racing um so that's sort of how it progressed it was just every day going out and doing a little bit of activity of running And then as I improved on running, I realized I can't, um, just run. I met, I researched a personal trainer who's an ultra runner and we started, um, he started training me in the gym to make sure I was balanced and so forth. And any imperfections I feel for me, I rather, um, deal with any problems before I get an injury. So I see, I go, Obviously a gym, I see a physical therapist monthly just to check for imbalances if there are any and get exercises to, you know, help if I am having, I'm very, very lucky that I honestly haven't had an injury. I'm started a run streak that averages a 13, a half marathon a day. Um, There are days, obviously, that are longer and there's one mile days in there, too. Um, But the average is a half marathon a day. And that's been going on since December 14th of 2016. I don't keep track of the days for some reason. I just know when it started. So um, I haven't taken a day off since then, but somewhere about a thousand days in there.
0: So you're running a pretty large volume. Of of miles. But it sounds like you're being incredibly proactive about taking care of yourself. And especially as a runner, as an athlete in your 40s, it's so incredibly important. And I think a lot of people don't do this, um, is to be proactive about taking care of your body, about making sure you have a coach who understands you, working out the imbalances, seeing a physical therapist. So, you know, you may be running a large number of miles and you are, you are running a large number of miles, let's be real, Uh, but you're being very proactive about taking care of yourself, which is just so important, particularly as you get older. So kudos to you on that.
1: Well, thank you. And I think that's important to be out there because when you follow someone like, you know, on the apps like Strava or whatever, and all you're seeing is the running aspect of it, where you're seeing the total miles, that's not all I'm doing. You can't just do that one little bit. It has to be, you know, a sum total of things. And also with this idea of 70 marathons in 70 days, I didn't wake up 46 days ago and say, oh, I'm going to start, you know, to run a marathon today. Um, There was a big base of mileage to that. So um, it's not that I started. Everyone should start with their, wherever they're at, with whatever their goal is. It doesn't have to, you know, it shouldn't be a marathon, to be honest. Maybe it's a mile. Maybe it's a couple blocks down the street, um, you know, and go from there. Build with, with where build where you're at.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and that is how you started. It's just once you found that love of racing and that love of half marathons turning into marathons, it sounds like you really took, almost a scientific approach to doing these things and making sure that you can maintain your body to withstand it it sounds like you've really been very thoughtful and proactive around all of that so that you can do what you do
1: absolutely I mean I'm a math teacher and I'm actually an engineering by trade okay this is ex- so, this is
0: explaining a lot
1: so so there's <laughs> that black and white sort of going how can I maintain how can I keep doing this sort of you know approach to things so
0: Yeah. Your brain, your brain works in a way that's conducive to all of this, basically. Yeah. So let's talk about 70 marathons in 70 days. So, um, prior, so you've been running, I was about to ask if you've done any other extreme challenges before, but you just told me that you've averaged a half marathon a day for the last three years or so. That's pretty extreme compared to some other people. I think some would call that extreme. Is there anything you've done prior to this 70 marathons in 70 days where it's a very finite, big, big challenge? Is there anything else you you kind of took up prior to this, or is this sort of the first like define I'm going to do this thing in this short amount
1: of time? So I would say in 2000 and God, what year is it now? I know it's 2019, <laughs> but I know you're running every day. Whole, you probably
0: can't keep track of the days anymore. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> Um, so a year ago, so it would have been 2018, um, June of 2018. My goal was to do my first, um, hundred mile race, which was the San Diego 100. And I didn't complete it. Um, I got to mile 65 and most people with my mileage background, basically 5,000 miles a year prior to that thought, Oh, a hundred miler for you, not going to be a problem. Um, it was a problem. And it wasn't that I didn't expect it to be hard or anything like that, but having that's been my only DNF in a race was the 100 miler. Having that and this year I completed that, I walked into my classroom, put the race shirt on my wall with the DNF and the goal of finishing that race. And every day I walked into my classroom and pictured myself finishing that race which was end up perfect because the race was June 8th, I think this year and I got out June 15th. So it was one week before school got out and it ended up being perfect because I walked in every day, imagining me finishing that race. Also, you know, imagining going, okay, I'm not re- reliving that disappointment. Again, I'm getting that finish to that finish line. So that what I would say was the really sort of start or pursuit of, of this sort of longer term goal, because I felt like that 100 miler became what instead of it being a 24 hour race, it became a 365 day goal. So, yeah,
0: yeah. I love that you put it, put the, the shirt up in the classroom or the um, and, yeah. so that you could be accountable to yourself and your students. Like you kind of made yourself publicly accountable um, and showed that, hey, we fail. Sometimes we fail. And what do we do when we fail? We try again. So it was a great, great lesson and a great example to your students and a message that you were sending to yourself every single day. I think that's really cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So what did make you decide specifically 70 marathons in 70 days? How did you land on that?
1: Okay, so I am a serial racer in 2018. I think I ran... 50, I ran 50 plus races, somewhere between 50 and 56 races. So basically a couple of times there was two races in one weekend. Um, and so actually, I know one weekend there was three races on an individual weekend. Ran in the morning, ran in the afternoon. There was an evening race and then woke up on Sunday and ran a third race in one weekend. So I, I was running races all the time and never really training for a race. Um, that was 2018 this year in 2019 before Boston marathon, which Boston marathon was the 16th weekend of this year. I had ran 18 races just starting out. I was burnt out. And these aren't races of like a 5k or a mile. We're talking hundred K 50, couple 50 milers, a couple marathons. And yes, I have some five ks It's not, I, I race everything, but so it's, but it's, It became overwhelming when I got to Boston and I had an awesome Boston marathon, uh, Boston PR, but it just I came back from Boston feeling burnt out from racing. And I thought, what's going to bring me joy back? And I came up with sort of thinking, talking to my coach um, and so forth. I came up with the idea, hey, I'm going to be off of work pretty soon. It's April. Spring break's already passed the minute spring break's come students don't realize it, but the teachers are done with school also. So <laughs> we, we may have a couple months left, but we're done. Um, so started thinking of what can I do in the summer? And that's where the 10 week idea came in 10 weeks, 70 days. There's 70 marathons. Um, actually now, you know, that's, we're getting closer to summer ending. Whoops. Summer break was only nine weeks. So it's going to be interesting to get, the 10th week. But again, being a teacher, the first week doesn't really count, does it? So um, right, I'll right. be able to run and teach. Yeah. At the same time. So we're going to, that's going to be an interesting week to be honest. Um, because it is a difficult week of school because you're getting to know kids. I teach eighth grade. So um, and yeah, and have five hours to go running. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting, but things have gone well so far. So I'm expecting it to be okay.
0: Yeah, you, you know yourself, you know, you can handle it. It's either it's either you go into that first week or you have to do some doubles, which sounds a lot harder. Um, so what do your days look like right now that allow you to include a full marathon each day?
1: So I just got back from San Francisco Marathon. I didn't run the actual marathon. I wanted to. But when we dis- discussed it as a family, um, it became when I started to try to hook in the marathon It became the whole trip was about me and going and running the marathon. So we still went to San Francisco, but instead of me running the official marathon, because it was a family vacation getaway, I would get up at two in the morning and run from two to seven, come back, take a shower. The family would be up. We are early wakers. I, you know, obviously we're morning people. So the family would get up at eight and so forth. And we would start our day and hike and horseback ride or whatever we were doing that particular day. So during that vacation time, and I've had that and mammoth. So during the vacation time, I got up real early and did it. Um, currently, most of the time I'm getting up at like 5am to do the the runs. There's been very few times um, and so forth to get it done. So um, by now, after getting the runs done, it's trips to the grocery store, clean house, make sure the kids are fed. Um, I'm surprised they're not yelling from upstairs saying, where's my food Um, right now, but they're okay. Um, So it's, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast about um, a younger person running across America um last year. I think she did it last year. And she was talking about how she finished her 50 miles a day and then her mom rubbed her feet and, you know, she was taken care of basically. And I'm just going, wow, wouldn't that be nice? I go nice. run 26 miles. I realize it's not running across America. I'm not trying to take anything away from what she, an incredible accomplishment, you know, this person had done, but I was like, oh i wish i i still have to take care of two kids and yeah, no one's rubbing your feet <laughs> no one's rubbing my feet exactly um i mean i am very fortunate i am married and my wife's an incredible support i couldn't do what i'm doing without the support of my wife and family
0: yeah but at the same time you've got to handle the business around your house yeah you know the, the days don't stop because no. you're taking this on um mm-hmm. So yeah, and then vacations. What was really interesting about that is your family's very active, so you're running, you know, five hours in the middle of the night, and then it's like, let's go for a hike, let's go to Mammoth, and yeah. so there's just no rest for you whatsoever. Um,
1: yeah, honest. I am lucky that I will say the hardest thing I've done is run a marathon and then ride go horseback riding for four hours oh, up the mountain. It wasn't flat. It was up a mountain and down a mountain in Mammoth. And it was a blast. Oh, it was it was not easy. That's, so, that's got to be
0: hard on the body. I sure.
1: don't recommend that if you run a marathon, horseback riding. That's not a recommendation. But so it that's, was. That's
0: not a recovery. That's, that's not, not a
1: recovery. A, not an
0: active recovery activity is what you're telling me.
1: Yeah, it is stretching though, but not probably the right type of stretching. Right. Um, for
0: sure. <laughs> when you're in just basically one position and then bouncing around, going up and down a mountain, it's probably not super soothing. No. No. Okay. So. And, and maybe that, maybe we just answered my question, but what would you consider to be the hardest part of working on this goal?
1: Um, being able to fit the family time in and making sure that I'm taking care of that side um, sort of felt guilty when we came back from San Francisco. Um, family things came up and I just said, I'm going to bed. And I woke up the next morning and all the clothes and stuff were sorted. Suitcases were put away. And I mean, we got home late. It was like 10 p.m., which that's just walking through the door. So by the time I probably went to bed at 11 and and obviously if you're getting up at two o'clock in the morning to go run that whole time, um, 11 to two is pretty, you know, not enough time, but I got up and everything was put away. And I saw you feel a little bit of guilt there. But at the same time, I know my wife wouldn't have done it if she was over tired. Also, wouldn't matter. But you feel a little guilt when you didn't you know, support that activity. But so I, you know, there is some of that, but I, so that's sort of the most difficult part is when you realize that what you're doing for yourself and yeah, it's family because I know she gets joy out of my joy, um, and the family benefits, you know, that whole symbiotic, symbiotic relationship when one person's happy, the other people are happy, you know, happy. Um, so you know, that's where you feel a little bit guilty when you don't feel like you're pulling your weight. So that's, I think the hardest part.
0: Yeah. And they, they know that it's short term, like for something like this, where there is an end date in sight and it just requires a little extra patience on everybody's part, um, until this, until these nine, 10 weeks are over. Um, and then life resumes a little bit of normalcy and I'm sure you step it up whenever you can to make sure that you know if your wife has a goal or just to take care of her.
1: Well, we've been married 24 years so something's going right.
0: Yeah, no, you've got it. And and you know when you're together that long too, it's it's easy to 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 support these things. It's like you know what makes your partner happy. And so it becomes easier to support these things because you know them so well. So, you know, like It is say, all about communication. Yeah. Just being
1: clear on the communication. I we can talk about what's next, but of course, um, today there was – so I'll go ahead and start if you want. what My next goal is actually basically a year away from now, which is um, July 9th of 2020, and it's at 500K called the Ball State in Tennessee. So I sort of – I mean, it was on my radar, discussed it with my wife jokingly, you know, that's how I sort of introduced things. So she probably sort of knew. Um, And then I called her two hours before registration open. And I said, "Um, I just want to know if I can do this. And she, you know, typical, she goes, Well, I think you're going to do it. So why are you asking? I go, because I want to make sure the communication is clear. And she was like, Okay. Yeah. You know, sounds good to me. It's better than 70 days of marathons, 10 days getting across the state of Tennessee sounds simple. So she was (laughs) sort of happy with the, you know, you know, goal. So,
0: right. Well, that's the upside of doing something like this is it actually opens the doors for things that might seem less intense for, for your partner that are still plenty intense for you. Yeah. But it kind of opens the door. It's like, at least it's not 70 marathons in 70 days. Yeah. And at least if I'm doing that next summer, then I'm not doing this next summer. So or maybe you are. I don't yeah. know.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> so what has been the high point of this so far?
1: I think realizing that it's not the physical limitation. I I honestly, before starting this, um, was scared that. I would, you know, physically not be able to do 70 marathons in 70 days. I haven't really attempted anything like this before. So I thought it was going to be the physical. Um, Physically, at least up to 46 marathons hasn't been the issue. It's all been mental, Um, especially when I first started. I run a marathon PR at a 3.05, which is also a little bit ridiculous because it was one week after a hundred mile race that I did my fastest hundred mile and a week later I run my fastest marathon. Um, and so, so, you know, there's those things that I typically, it seems crazy, but when I started running the 70 marathons, I knew I wasn't doing race pace. That was out of the question. I was just going at whatever felt comfortable, not pushed. And so the first one took four and a half hours And they've been from four and a half hours. The longest was six hours and 15 minutes. I sort of bonked, um, got out of my routine because of personal um, issues and got out of my routine for a couple of days. And I bonked when I was out running and that took me longer. I knew exactly what was going on and took care of the problem, but it took me, um, you know, longer to get through um, the marathon that particular day. But when I first started in four and a half hours and your mind's going, well, you can finish in three hours um, you should stop running you don't need to do this the you know mind's pretty powerful thing or those negative thoughts are pretty powerful um, and that sort of was the surprising limiting factor was t- training my mind to um, go around and let me complete them and that happened probably for about the first 10 marathons the negative thoughts of you know hey you're at mile 20 you would- normally be done with a marathon you could quit now that went on for about the first 10 marathons and then i sought out my local community and said hey who wants to come run five miles with me who wants to come run you know whatever you want um and i did that for a good 10 marathons um for for a while. And I'm still doing that because people are like, oh, Kevin's going to be out for five hours along the coast or wherever. Um, I'll just go outside and see where Kevin's at type of thing and text him. And so we've had some meetups, you know, like last minute meetups. So that has helped out. But it's more the mental than the physical that is was surprising to me.
0: Yeah, I bet. Um, I'm sure you had no idea kind of how it would affect you as you got started because it's just such a new thing. That you were doing, so um, it's interesting to see that it's not it's not the physical that slowed you down, and and the mind is powerful. It's like it, it it'll tell you stories that that it thinks you want to hear. Yes, and so you've got to either you're either going to listen to it or you're going to shut it down or figure out how to shut it down. I do like that you were you're solution oriented. That's something I'm getting from from everything. You're solution oriented, and you said okay. Uh, perhaps I need to pe- some people to run with, so I'm going to reach out to my community and get some people to run with me and help keep me motivated through this. Um, and it's becoming more of a communal community event, which I think is really cool um, as you continue to do this. So I want to talk about kind of the entirety of your racing career, your your current racing career. Um, can you take us back to your worst race or worst competitive moment? Was it that that 100-mile race that you DNF would would you call that the worst moment or is there another one that comes to mind
1: I I don't know if I would and maybe at the moment the DNF and the SD100 at that particular moment felt like the most difficult um or disappointing but It was short-lived as disappointment it became more of a motivational like next year when this race comes around nothing's going to get nothing's going to stop me from crossing that finish line Um, and i think that's the way i handle any of them i i guess my most disappointing one was actually la marathon 2016. i went up and i obviously watched the olympic trials you know, it's an incredible experience. The Olympic trials that particular year was on Saturday. It was hot um, in downtown Los Angeles. And then the L.A. marathon was on Sunday. Um, I can give whatever excuse I want about why I had a poor marathon. But, you know, you're on your feet all day watching future Olympians run a marathon. You're cheering them on. And then the next day you run your marathon. It didn't go well. Um, I thought I would Boston qualify. I wanted to Boston qualify. I thought it was in the bag and simple. It would have been my first BQ. Um, It didn't happen. And so I think I was most disappointed there. But it led to I quickly um, that particular year, the L.A. Marathon was in February to give enough time for the. 2016 Olympics, you know, in the summer. So enough recovery time for those who qualified. And so I quickly said, okay, that was such a disappointing marathon. What marathon can I do as quickly as possible? Because I find that when I do a bad race, if I do another race, replaces it with positive memory. So I looked up a just said, what's the next marathon locally. And I found this Habitat for Humanity marathon around a lake in Hemet. And, um, I just absolutely love that marathon. Actually, it's really, really small, um, race. And I actually ended up winning that marathon. I can say I'm a marathon winner. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. And so, so when you say, Oh, you had a negative experience or whatever, well, it leads to an awesome experience. So, um, I guess if I was going to say that L.A. Marathon in 2016, which then turned into an awesome experience a month later in March running um, the Diamond Valley Lake Marathon is what it's called in Himit. It was incredible. A little trail marathon around the lake. Beautiful. Um, It's been rainy years and you just see waterfalls falling down into the dam area where they store water. It's really cool.
0: What I love about what you with the story you told. Cause usually my next question I ask is what's the most important thing you learn from your experience. And I think you already told me, and that is figure out how to replace a negative experience with a positive experience. And I haven't had anybody really express it that way to me before. You know, we all have disappointments. We all have bad races. Um, How can you replace that negative experience with a positive experience? What can you do? And and again, proactive is a word that comes to mind throughout this conversation I'm having with you. It's like, how can you proactively figure out a way to replace that negative experience with a positive experience? And that's exactly what you did by finding this other marathon and then winning it in such a beautiful location. So just big takeaway from me and hopefully others listening is when you have those negative moments, when you have those bad races, those bad experiences, how can you replace that with a positive?
1: Absolutely. I'm going to share something that's a little bit embarrassing, but coming home from San Francisco, we had to hurry home. There was um, sort of a, a small family medical emergency and we needed to get to a hospital, um, on Monday. And that was when we were driving home. And so ended up spending Monday in the hospital. As soon as we got back, you know, obviously I'm running a marathon. Everything ended up fine, you know, at the hospital situation, everything was fine. So need to run a marathon. Tuesday, go run a marathon. Well, we're on Thursday day. I just got to take my shower after four days. And I joked, you know, you know, obviously that's the negative. I shouldn't be, you know, but what do I do? I found the hey, I'm planning to do this staged race that's going to take 10 days to do. I'm probably not going to be showering. So here was practice for this 10-day race running, you know. So, I mean, that's typically what I do. Take a negative and try to find the positive on it because it is true. It's, you know, what you, you focus on the negative, but the positive is so much better to be able to find.
0: Yeah, and when you have such big goals like this, it's almost a necessity to do that because life is going to pop up and things are going to happen and you may not get to shower for days on end. Yeah. And it's like, you know, roll with it, have a sense of humor and then think about the positive benefits of it, you know, and yeah. how it could positively affect your life. So it's a good mindset to to maintain when you are taking on something that is a high, a high degree of challenge in your life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's really a really good thing. Um so conversely, uh can you tell me about your favorite race, your greatest accomplishment in the sport this far?
1: I think um I think winning that Diamond Valley Marathon is such a huge high. Um first of all to be able to say I actually don't generally say I won a marathon, but just to think it is just incredible in I'm not an elite athlete I mean obviously with my PR being a 305 in a marathon and you know to the Olympic qualify is like a 220 we're talking about people can run a marathon an hour faster than me so it's all about who shows up it's you know it's not about me being necessarily fast I was faster than everyone there that particular day um and it's felt amazing. So I would put that as a high point because I never expected to walk away from a marathon and to say, Oh, I want it. Um, and especially in the location that it was at because it was pretty, it's close to home. It's, um, yeah, it was just a really neat experience.
0: Yeah. Just everything about it's memorable and it probably just like burned into your brain and forever was there. Yeah. And so I, I, I really met cool. a
1: really good friend that, um, is actually the female marathon winner a few times, Sarah Labos, and we have completely um, sort of bonded over. We both have families. We live in California, about an, two hours apart from each other, but um, we visit each other and so forth. So it's really neat, even outside of running. So um, it's been it was an awesome relationship to develop outside of you know obviously running related, but sort of outside of running, um, and just really really neat to um, have.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really cool to connect with people in the running community and people who are kind of running at your level or competing at your level. But again, as you mentioned, you know, y'all are y'all are everyday people, you know. You're you're really dedicated to running, but you're not necessarily elite athletes. You have families, you have jobs, you have responsibilities. You don't have sponsors necessarily, you know, paying your bills. So, it's that's a that's a level of connection that that that, that brings people together, I think, in, in sporting and running communities. I've seen that. I've experienced that in the community I'm in. And it sounds like you're getting that in the community you're in. So, uh, okay, so this leads me to this question. Um, like you mentioned, you're not an elite athlete. So what advice would you give to someone who may be around your age and is entertaining the idea of getting into either, you know, marathon running, ultra running or doing something a little bold, like you're doing with the 70 marathons in 70 days. You know, I, I hear people taking on by doing the show. I, I definitely get to talk to people who are doing sort of these big challenges and they are, many of them are everyday people. Um, what advice would you give to someone who might be inspired by your story and want to do something similar?
1: I think know yourself, know what you enjoy. Don't do a challenge or something for anyone else. Um, I'm not doing this. It's been an incredible sort of experience as people are noticing, um, like what you, I see you did a marathon yesterday. Why are you doing one today? Um, and Oh, you've done 40 of them. I didn't realize that. So, um, I'm not doing, that's not the reason for my challenge. It really is. Can I do it? Um, it's as basic as that. Can I do 70 marathons in 70 days? But, as we've discussed, I had the high mileage background on me, not particularly this high of mileage, um, such as today being August 1st last, this last month, July 31st It was 832 miles in one month. I've never ran that before. My average is sort of probably 450 miles a month, which is a lot obviously. So, but 812 is almost double that. So, um, you know, I do what you love to do. I like the high mileage thing. So I chose high mileage. If I want, if it was a 5k a day, it would be a 5k a day. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, um, and I will say a day, like you started out with, um, the marathon princess of doing 52 marathons in 52 weeks. Um, that makes probably a lot more sense than trying to do them in, every day, Um, that motivation and that mental aspect to get up daily to do something was difficult. I will say around marathon 30, that all changed. It was like, okay, it's a habit, brush your teeth, go out the door. Um, So it's become a habit now. It's gonna be interesting, I think, at day 70, quitting the habit, I think that's gonna be difficult. I'm not sure because I'm not there. I know with having a full time job, you know, I'm not going to be able to go on and family, um, you know, um, to keep doing it. But it's going to be interesting to see what that end of 70 is going to look like. I'm sure there's going to be like the Marathon Blues sort of situation.
0: Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that so. like I I, I I do obstacle races and I have some big ones throughout my calendar and especially the ones that involve travel. When I come home, I have what I call a race hangover. Uh, where it's usually about a day where I'm just emotional and sad and and moody and and it goes away, but that's for one race or two races in a weekend. Um, so I'm curious, and I'm sure you are too, about what level you might experience, what you know, how much of that you might experience yeah. after having done this every single day, and then kind of going back to back to school and back to regular life. And I'm sure part of part of it will be kind of helped by going back to school and going back to regular life because your time will just, you just won't have as much time. But I, I, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're curious about what will happen and you don't know until you experience it. Um, but I could see, I could see that being, you know, a concern for sure.
1: Absolutely. And I know, I know myself well enough that I will be emotional, moody, you know, too bad I can't. But that's also the reason why I chose the 70 days, because I knew I couldn't continue on. So it'll be interesting to see what it'll be like. I, I can't I won't be able to describe it until you know, tell it's there.
0: Right. And when do you expect to run your 70th marathon?
1: August 25th. So, yeah. so it's a Sunday. Um, I think school officially starts on the 21st. So that'll be OK. Um, I know I'll be able to get through that one week, four days with the marathon and, um, finishing up. So it'll be interesting to see that part of it, but yeah, August 25th, I'm sure the running community around here, I haven't put anything out there yet, but we'll probably have something at a local coffee shop, um, and so forth. Um, where else probably want to, there's a lake around here, um, that has a basically a on a 0.75 mile loop and I figure I'll just run those loops and people can just come out while I'm running if they will you know it may be boring to run the loops but I'm like I'm sort of committing to that on that last one of running loops around the local lake and then the coffee shop's like a half mile away and I'll finish up my loops and then run to the coffee shop and hopefully there'll be a group of people um at the coffee shop to celebrate with me being done yeah, yeah.
0: And it sounds like if you're running that loop and you said people might join you, it might turn into kind of a party, like your last last marathon, and maybe that will help ease the boredom of the loops. I definitely think so. Yeah. It's like people are going to just make a celebration of it. That sounds awesome. Um, And hopefully that last week of you doing, you know, doubles, basically, or you doing the marathon and then doing school, maybe that'll help with the post-running blues because you'll probably, by the end of that week, maybe you'll have had enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for you? Uh, what's the next priority after you're done with that when it comes to running?
1: So I've had a sort of it's interesting because I sort of feel like my Boston qualifying time was at 325. Um, and it took me multiple years uh, to get to that point. I thought in 2016 it was going to be easy. It took me until 2017 to qualify. And I qualified later, so I couldn't register until 2018 um, was the first year I ran Boston. So, you know, obviously no goal. You think it's going to happen on your timeline, but none of my goals have ever happened on my timeline. Um, They've always been delayed, you know, but I've never given up on them. Um, I've refocused on what I do to reach that goal in terms of, um, but I don't give up on it. Um, with Boston, I found that I was working too hard and it became more of a job and that I won't say burnout, but sort of a plateau ish that I've said, Hey, I'm sort of going to, you know, stop focusing on Boston and, you know, more on the fun aspects of running what it used to be like. And the minute I started, you know, focusing on having an enjoyable time instead of trying to hit splits, you know, and workouts and so forth and started to focus, the splits came with the joy, um, again. So that's what I typically try to focus on. So I've never really specifically trained for run one race. Um, I never really trained to qualify for Boston. I just kept running and thought, Oh, it's going to happen. Um, but I'm now at the point where I'm close to a sub three, three Oh five, 305. I consider that close considering that I don't stop racing. So that is what my next goal is. Carlsbad Marathons, January 20th of 2020. And when I'm done on August 25th um, with the 70 marathons, that's when myself and my coach, I'm coached by Michael Wardian, which is an elite ultra marathoner um, who's 42 years old and does have a job also, but he wins, um, ultra marathons and so forth. I'm, I'm sort of back in the pack. won um, the San
0: Francisco ultra, the exactly. San Francisco marathon ultra. I think I actually, yeah, I found you kind of through Julie Weiss, who was ta- taking a picture with him, but mentioned you. And I actually went to, I was, I thought I'm like, well, I probably should talk to him, but I need to talk to Kevin first. I need to get <laughs> this story right now. So, so yeah, I kind of I I might need to talk to him too.
1: (laughs) So, um, so that's where, you know, we'll be at on the next one. Haven't really discussed training for it yet, but it'll be my first time training. I've not put any races on my calendar in terms of weekends, even during the 70 marathons. There's been, um, one race, which was a mammoth half marathon, which I ran to the start to get the first 13 miles in, and then ran back down the mountain to get, get the other 13 since it was a half marathon so that was fun to do and that was towards the beginning of the challenge i think that was like the seventh marathon doing that with mammoth and i'll be doing the same thing with um 62 and 63 there's a um a julian full moon race um and it's 12 hour race for me it's 12 or 24 i decided to do the 12 because i could do the two marathons within that 12 hours Um, and have it split over two days also, since that's sort of the goal, um, to do it in 70 days. So, um, when I get to August 25th, be done, probably take a week where I'm only doing maybe a mile a day to keep my run streak from, um, 2016 alive and then have that discussion with the coach. Okay. How does, how do you train for a sub three marathon since he can do it so easily? He must know how to get it done. right?
0: I, I expect you to have this answer for me because you can do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I love that. Um, so as we get ready to wrap up and uh, you've given me some great gems, I've been writing stuff down as we go along because I, I just like your perspective on on everything from turning a negative into a positive to what you just said. Goals don't happen on your timeline. I think that's an important thing for people to know because I think we all expect goals to happen on our timeline and then it becomes frustrating and disappointing when they don't and but they but they often don't so to have that level of patience and perseverance is is really important when you're chasing these big goals so you've already told me this these two things what i want to know is do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your journey as a runner as a self-proclaimed chaser of dreams and as somebody running 70 marathons in 70 days do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you can share with our listeners today
1: I think just keep getting up and trying. Um, If you if something's important to you, it doesn't matter how and it doesn't have to be a running or athletic could be career could be personal. You just keep getting up and trying. If it's important to you at one point, it's going, you know, and you failed or didn't get that aspect of or reach that goal. um, It's worth trying again, reevaluate, take what you learned from the situation I mean, my SD100, I took what I learned from the situation getting to mile 65 and took that knowledge to move forward to make sure I do mile 100. Um, I think that goes across so many times. I think so many people go, oh, I guess I can't do this. So they, you know, 180 degrees changed what they thought they wanted to do. There was a reason why you wanted to do something in the first place. It's worth to, you know, reevaluate and get back up. And, and go for it.
0: I love that. Keep getting up and trying, folks. Um, yeah. yeah. It's so simple and so important because so many of us give up. So many of yeah. us give up or get frustrated. Yeah. And doing what you're doing, definitely, it takes a high degree of patience and persistence and getting up and trying. Like, literally, every single day, really, really early, you keep getting up and trying. So I think that's fantastic advice for our listeners. Um And like you said, for running, for fitness, for life, no matter what, keep getting up and trying. So, Kevin thank you so much for being on the season athlete podcast um as i mentioned i learned about you through season athlete alum julie weiss she's been on the show twice she mentioned you and what you're doing on social media and i instantly knew i had to have you come on the show i appreciate you responding so quickly taking the time uh i know your days must be somewhat tiring right now with the running and the errands and the taking care of the family um and everything you have to do so i'm grateful that you could come on and share your story with us so thank you again for being on the show
1: Thank you, Robin. It was fun.
0: So at this point, you're probably wondering, how did Kevin do? Did he complete his 70 marathons in 70 days? Well, I'm happy to report that on August 25th, Kevin finished his 70th marathon in 70 days, joined by members of his local running community. Congrats, Kevin. Enjoy some well-earned rest and then get back out there and keep chasing those dreams. So what did we learn from Kevin Hopp? Here are my top takeaways. Number one, take the negative events that happen in your life and figure out how to turn them into a positive. Bad race days are a great example. Yes, they happen, but determine what you can learn from these experiences to fuel your next race or competition. Sometimes positive results can be born from negative experiences, so create a mindset that helps you turn those negatives into a positive. Number two, keep getting up and trying. Kevin could have come up with a ton of reasons to not continue on his mission to run 70 marathons in 70 days. It was big, and it was rarely, if ever, convenient for him in his life. But he was determined to keep getting up and trying every day. Day by day, run by run, he eventually completed his goal. And number three, this one was my favorite and has really stuck with me since my conversation with Kevin. And that is, goals don't happen on your timeline. We all need to practice being a little more patient with ourselves and our goals. Sometimes life has plans for us that we just can't anticipate. But if you stay the course with your training and practicing when it comes to whatever goal you might be working on, and you are patient, the goal can be achieved. It just might be on a timeline of its own. Because as Kevin said, goals don't happen on your timeline. Thanks and big congratulations again to Kevin Hobb. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from somebody who could probably write 70 songs in 70 days, Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. Do you know someone who would make a great guest on the show? Or do you have a unique and inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. Check out our entire library of episodes and learn about our distinguished seasoned athlete alumni at seasonedathlete.me. While you're there, click on the support seasoned athlete button to help us continue to share stories of ageless athletes and their remarkable journeys. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can.